I'm just, it's, it's an honor and a privilege, but it's so fun because I just love, I love his word and I love how he shares it and I love how he loves me enough to share what he does. And I just, I'm so excited to share it with you. And, and I, I'm just going to ask you, Pastor Pat, is it okay if I use the Paul and Cyrus, Silas Bible? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm going to mostly speak from the New King James, but, um, uh, but yeah, and I just uh, thank you, Lord, so much, and I thank uh, Pastor Pat for praying that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit's flowing and that everybody's uh, ears are open to hear and uh, hearts are, are open to receive and understand, so... And I wanted to point out that I brought um, a friend. I want you to all um, know uh, Bruce. Uh, Bruce and I have known each other since we were nine years old, grew up on the lake. So everybody welcome Bruce. And uh, I thank Bruce for coming to support me. So it's pretty neat when you grow up having, um, you know, a good, a good friend and you don't see them for a long time and then you um, meet up with them again and find out that he's, um, decided also to live his life for the Lord. That's a really exciting thing when, when you find that out, so it's pretty cool. So um, I wanted to say that, you know, a lot of what I'm going to talk about I've shared with you and, and things that you've heard before, but I'm going to pull it all together. I think uh, the bits and pieces that I've talked about, I'm hoping we'll pull it all together kind of in the flow that the Lord has given me the understanding for. All right, so what I wanted to talk to you about first is that some of the major points are I wanted to tell you about um, our Heavenly Father's great love for us and what that his intended purpose for us was. You know, you hear me talk about purpose, and you all have an idea of what that is, but uh, I just wanted to go over that foundation with you some more just so that it lays the foundation for the rest of what we're going to talk about. And then what was and is the demonstration of that love that he has for us? And then how do we fill that intended purpose uh, as his disciple? So to begin with, I'm going to start at the beginning. How's that? <laughs> A little bit better. <laughs> All right. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say is wh what was created, you know, and I'm going to go back to the verse that we all know since we were kids, but let's take a look at it in a little bit deeper way. Um, in, um, you know, in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, you know, it says, talks about how we were created as children of God and in his image. And we know that his image is perfect and complete love. So let's read that. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. I don't know if many of you remember. I know that uh, Grandpa Larry would remember when I had a word uh, a couple months ago talking about that being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, what God saw at that time, he wanted, the, he wanted Adam and Eve in his image to be fruitful and multiply because his, his purpose was to not only have fellowship with them and have them as children, but to spread his love and his glory across the earth. He saw that through them, and that was what his, you know, his purpose was when he first created them. If you look at Habakkuk 2.4, 
it says that it says for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, this is what you know his goal was for us to um, be fruitful and multiply. This is what his goal is for us um, in our purpose. And you know, unfortunately, we saw that that was um, one of the things that was lost in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam fell. The other thing that he created was that fellowship with him that uh, God was able to fellowship with Adam and Eve open and freely, and as his children, they had, you know, complete open discourse. They, you know, they were um, operated as one. You know, they were a family. He was, they were his children. And, um, you know, that, again, was one of the things that was of his heart when he created them. He wanted, he wanted that relationship. So if we look at what was truly lost in the fall... You know, this is what we uh, have to look at when we see what Jesus redeemed through his Father's plan of love that he poured out. So, one, as we mentioned, Adam and Eve are his children, um, and we are his children. It's that sonship that was lost, um, no longer in his image, no longer in that image of perfect love, but one now that's the opposite of love, which is self. You know, it's either love or self. We've talked about that. And then the spreading of his glory on the earth, spreading his light, and then that relationship with him. So now that we are his children, after the firstborn, which was Jesus, fully equipped through what the firstborn purchased for us. So we understand this more when we read about Jesus and what was really redeemed through him, what was created and how it's now redeemed. We know that God sent his son. He used the, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example um, of, of that love and why Jesus came. You know, I might have mentioned this before, but um, I heard this example once, and it just wrecked me the first time I heard it. And if you can imagine, you know, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and God had asked Adam not to eat of the tree, and he did. You know, God could have said, you know, Adam, you know, I've given you everything. I've given you dominion over the earth. I've asked you to name all the animals. This is all of yours. We had relationship. I asked you to do one thing. I asked you to do one thing. You couldn't do that one thing. You know, he didn't have that attitude. He looked at Adam and he said, I love you. And because you, I, you can't die, my, you must live. Now I have to send my son to die so that you can live. You know, that's the love of the Father. You know, there's no frustration. There's no disappointment. That's the pure love of the Father. So that was the plan to restore that which was lost, not only his son, but in a way that would bring knowledge of who the Father is because what good is it if we know that we're saved? And that's often what happens when we hear about salvation. We hear that, you know, Jesus was perfect and he died for our sins. Oh, great, we get to go to heaven. That's not it. You know, he came to restore something that was lost. And why? You know, we need to understand the heart of the Father and why, you know, he wanted to restore that thing that was lost. And 
you know, in order to do that, you know, I, I, I put these scriptures in because I just think it's so cool. In Colossians 1.19 and, um, and also 2.9, they kind of say the same thing. I'll first go into 19. The way that the Father did it was to create a son that would um, demonstrate and exemplify him. So in Colossians 1.19, it said, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. But I, I like to even take it a little bit deeper in Colossians 2.9 where it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and powers. So God created a man, his son, and filled him with all of who God is so that we could understand his love for us, we could understand what exactly was redeemed and understand who redeemed us. And then in Colossians 1.20, I've shared this one quite a long time ago, but this just shows an example. A couple of times I'm going to share how Jesus, he's just so cool in how he shares his word with me. It'll be in some subtle words as I'm going through the scriptures. He'll have me stop on a verse, and he'll have me just focus on a word or something and say, you need to dig deeper. It's a little deeper than what you think when you're reading it. And this is one of them. In Colossians 1.20, it said, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You know, that word peace, he said, you need to study that word more. You know, it's more than just, oh, I feel I'm at peace, I'm cool, you know, I'm not disturbed. Um, it's more than that. And if you think about this, his, the blood of his cross, we know that he shed blood when he was scourged and he's beaten and he was hit. And, but the blood, the only blood that was shed on the cross was when Jesus was nailed to it. You know, I thought that was pretty powerful. You know, the Lord just shared that with me the other day when you think about it. You know, and that was when he crucified our sin with him on the cross. And in that Bible study on peace, what he found, what you know, what he was showing me, what he wanted me to know was that this example of peace is restoration. It's restoration to him. And some of the de definitions that I looked up as I was going through all the different scriptures in the Bible that have peace was um, one of them was to bring back into harmony. You know, when we're in harmony with the Lord, you know, we're flowing with him. But more than that, you know, the Lord, again, he knows who you are when you're doing Bible study. And he's going to give you examples that just will blow your mind. And I don't see... Is he in here? He's going to have to listen to this because the Lord showed me something that he will relate to. As an engineer and, you know, in, in physics, you learn about wave theory and you learn about electricity. And when different signals are in harmony, it's called resonance. When things are in, when they resonate and when they're in harmony, the amplitude of the, of the signal increases, which means the power and the energy increases. And that just blew my mind when he was showing me those things. It was really cool. So 
that's just a, a nerdy little tidbit for you guys. So. <laughs> but, um, you know, what was to go on with the restoration? When we talked about what was lost, let's look at what was restored then. It's the restoration of his children to him brought back into harmony with them, you know, brought back into that true relationship. It's restoration of us into his image of love. We now look like our heavenly daddy when we let him. You know, that allows us to be that light, you know, shining in the darkness, completing his plan, you know, of spreading his glory on the earth. What also is restored is the kingdom of God in us. You know, we see that in Jesus and the way he walked the kingdom and all that he did. You know, that's what, that's what God had planned for us. You know, Adam was ruler of the kingdom in the Garden of Eden. That's what we are meant to be. But now, you know, we can walk in all the kingdom tools and, and, and gifts and all the things that Jesus said that we would do uh, when he, um, you know, asked us to believe in him. So um, one of the things I put in a side note, do you remember um, we had talked about all the promises? All the promises are restored. But do you remember it was a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago where the Lord just gave me a word? These promises are not so that we live life better, you know, so we have a better life and we have more money or we have, you know, uh, capabilities to do m more things. It's the promises are for his purpose. And I just ask you all to go ahead and read those promises in there, you know, the we might think they're for prosperity. We might think they're so that we have peace or that we can get in and out of tough situations. But it's really so that we um, recognize all that he gave us, that fullness that he gave us, so that we can walk out his purpose and be that light, you know, so that we can shed that glory, so that we can, um, you know, bring more um, disciples to the kingdom. So what's really cool is that this plan that the Lord had and that the Lord completed, it can't be fought or challenged. It's perfect. But it's only perfect if we're faithful on our side to carry it out. So we can't be deterred or distracted by the enemy. Um, you know, I'm going to keep bringing up things that I've shared with you before. You may or may not remember them or you might not have been here, but it was another revelation that the Lord gave me about, you know, being his light and shining in the dark world, he had shown me it was like when the sun comes up over the horizon. It shines on the dark, it shines in the shadows, and the, it, it lights up the entire earth, and the darkness can't do a thing about it. You know, that's, that's what his plan is when we do our part. The darkness can't do a thing about it. So, um, I just want to encourage you then on that peace, you know, sometime when you're in the word, look up some of the scriptures that say peace. And when you think about this restoration, it, it really gets powerful. I mean, it's really, it's really cool um, to see, you know, the, the depth that the Lord um, means by that. So, um, again, God's plan for his son, you know, wasn't so that we can live in heaven for eternity. That's a that's a great um, benefit that comes with it, but it's 
his plan was to restore that, that which was lost. Um, just this last week, I came across a scripture that um, it's another one of those things, very subtle, but man, it's really powerful when you think about it. And it's Colossians 1.13. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love which the Lord said, you know, to be the son of his love, he was birthed into something. He was birthed for a purpose. He was birthed out of the Father's love for us. His life as a man was to demonstrate God's love for us. I just thought that was so amazing. You know, and, and it's so wonderful when you look at it that way. Jesus is the firstborn. When you look at it that way, the first thing was when he came, he showed us the nature of the Father. He showed us how to love. He showed us what that looked like. He showed us, as Margie's song said, the extravagance of what that love looks like and how perfect it was in every situation and how it never compromised. He showed us how to walk in fellowship with the Father as sons. You know, if we look at um, John fourteen thirty one, it says "But the, that the but that he, the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so do I. He said himself, he only did what the Father asked. You know, he showed us how to do that. He showed us how to, you know, give our lives over and trust him and follow him. In John twelve forty nine and 50, similar, it says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. You know, so the, the nature of the Father, just being one with him and totally trusting God, totally trusting him to lead you, totally trusting him to speak and to, to love and to pour out, you know, the way that, He's directing you to. And then to restore um, our inheritance in the kingdom, as I, as I said, he showed us what that looks like. What is full authority of the king, you know, and for his children? What does that look like? And in John fourteen twelve, you know, this was one that, you know, I really stood on a lot, you know, especially after Mike passing. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. That's pretty exciting, you know, because Jesus healed everybody. He healed, he healed thousands. Wherever he went, he touched them and they were healed. And he says, we're going to do greater things. It's pretty, you know, amazing. I mean, I want to be that. I want to be that for him. I don't want to let anyone go undone. You know, I don't want any stone to be unturned. And, and he's telling me that's possible. Jesus came to reclaim his children that were lost. And again, having made peace through the blood of his cross by taking on our sin. These are the things that Jesus was birthed into for the purpose of showing God's love, demonstrating God's love. He, just, he demonstrated all of those things sonship, the Father's nature, the Father's love, and then the kingdom in us. What does that look like? 
So we have a good pattern. That's why he's the firstborn. We have someone to follow. We have a big brother that we can rely on and follow, you know, that's not, you know, going to tease us. He's, he's loving, and he's going to show us how to, um, you know, be who the Father created us to be in his family. You know, and I just added another little note in here. When you think about all of that, you think how awesome God is, how incredible, how he spans the entire universe. Just look at the sky sometime, and you think about the depth of that that you can't even see or grasp or, you know, uh, contain. And he holds the winds in his hands, yet he loves us so intimately and personally that he chose a plan that would allow him to live in you and to lead you and guide you. And he's just faithful in the smallest of things. You know, uh, Bruce and I were just talking the other day, and I was telling him about when I broke my ankle. Um, some of you might not know this. It was about 10 years ago, um, 14 years, 13 years ago. I uh, had been riding my horse, and I was training him, and he was a little green. And uh, all of a sudden, he's spooked and bolted, and I fell out of the saddle, and my foot was caught in the stirrup, and it broke out. And when I looked down, I'm on my hands and knees, and my mother was watching. She asked, you know, are you okay? I said, well, I'm okay, but I think my ankle's something funny because I could feel it's tightening. And I looked, and my ankle, my foot was going that way. And we were out, you know, in the sticks, and um, I had taken enough first aid to know that when stuff like that happens, you know, sometimes it can get into your mind, and you can go into shock. So I just told her, you know, you better call 911 because it's kind of weird going to the side. They might need to do something funny, you know, something important there. But, and all I could do is I'm, I'm on my hands and knees you with my foot up, and all I could do is just thank Jesus and praise Jesus, and thank Jesus, and praise Jesus for until the paramedics came. And his faithfulness was so incredible that I was so filled with Jesus and that peace that I was just witnessing to the ambulance, the, the paramedic, all the way to the hospital. And it was cool because there was a believer, was the other paramedic, and she was um, saying, you, you need to listen to her. <laughs> you need to listen to her. But it was so cool. I was so at peace. And God is just, I just want to encourage you. He's so faithful. And, and just that little thing, you know, it was so cool. So, so I read uh, John 14, 12, where we learned that... Um, we will do all that Jesus will do if we believe and greater things. And this is as his disciples, you know. Um, he's called us to create disciples in the world. He's called us to be disciples. But do we really know what a disciple looks like? So I just wanted to go a little bit into that. And I'm going to um, cover some of the things that Pastor Pat's taught on as well. Because, you know, the Lord was showing me some of this stuff before when Pastor Pat talked, which was really cool when he did, and then after. And it was just really wonderful how he gave me a, a more depth of understanding there. So um, we see the commission where he says this was in Mark sixteen twelve, where he said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. 
that's Jesus' expectation for us as a disciple. So, you know, a disciple is one that will believe in and seek to become like the one that you follow, you know. So he described essentially himself, and so therefore that's why it makes sense that we strive to be like that and we meet that expectation. So then what did he say to do? How do, how do, we, how do we do that? Well, you know, Pastor Pat did wonderful um, teachings on that, and it's in um, three different places in the gospel in um, Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he repeats something very similar in Mark 8, 34 and Luke 9, 23. And if you study those three things, it's the perfect steps to discipleship. You know, if you really seek his heart, and what he's saying there. So let's, most of what I'm going to talk about is going to dig into that, and we'll talk about some practical things that the Lord has been just so gracious to share with me, especially over the last year, as he's just been so faithful, you know, since Mike passed away, and I realized, you know, Jesus, I I want you to be my first love. You know, I want to go all after that, you know, with everything I've got, and he was so, he's been so faithful. So I'm going to share a lot with what he's shown me over the last year. So deny yourself. You must, I wrote here, you must make a decision on what you will be filled with and what is the motive of your heart. It really boils down to whose are you. There's really only two choices. So if we look at Matthew 16.25, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. John 12, 25, 26. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, Him will my Father honor. So losing your life, it's no longer being driven by what you want or what you need. You have to let go in preference to others. But the big thing is you need to follow and trust him. I mean, and if you take that step and you just trust the Lord, you have so much freedom. You feel so much freedom, you know. Um, I, you know, through Mike's passing, there was a, a key moment where the Lord just, you know, spoke those words to me. He said, "Just trust me," and I had the most incredible peace that I've ever had. And I said, "I, I trust you, Lord," and I just go back to that and trust Him, and it's amazing, you know, how faithful He is. So take up your cross. How do we behave? How is the motive of our heart coming out? You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, how we behave really shows the true motive of our heart. So love was made perfect. Um, If we look at 1 John 4, 17. 
Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I just think that's really, really cool. As he is, so are we. John eight thirty one and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So again, just trust Jesus. Give up yourself. Trust him. There's so much freedom. There's no self. It's just all trust and his love flowing. We have freedom from fear. We have freedom from bondage. We have fear from the, from the future. We have fear, uh, no more fear of failure. We are free of all of that that binds us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, strife, the past, loss. We're free of all those things when we trust him and we deny ourselves. In 1 John 4.18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There's so much to stand on. There's so much to support us in this. And John 15.8, but I want to start with John 15.7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And I don't know if you remember, again, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about promises for his purpose. So yeah, we, we mentioned that. This is one of those. And then John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So following him. So we've denied ourselves. We take, we've taken up our cross, and now we're going to follow him. We must, the big thing is we need to know him to follow him. You need to know who you're following. Otherwise, how can you follow him? So we can only know him by spending time with him in his word. You know, this is how he teaches us about himself. This is how we become intimate with him. This is the only way you can get to know anyone. We can listen to tapes. We can listen to YouTube, TV messages, all of that. Keep doing those things. That's good, and it's uplifting. It will, ex it will exhort you going out. But you can't replace time with him with that because it's his personal relationship with you that he desires, and that's how you really get to know him. Through those means, you know, those other means, you know about him, but you don't know him. You're learning about him through someone else's encounter. You know, it's like if you have a good friend and uh, they've got an old friend that they just, you know, they're going to tell you all about him. Oh, I've just got this friend. They're just wonderful. They're this, they're that. You still don't know that friend that they're telling you about. You know about them. You know that they've got a good heart, that you, but you don't know them. The only way you can get to know him is to spend that time with him. Make it interactional as you're reading the word. Don't read the word to know about him. Ask him to teach him about, you, about him, to teach you about him. So you got to listen. Listen to what he's telling you. 
read it and listen with that purpose of knowing him, not about him. And like I said, listen to his voice. If you listen for his voice, you'll hear it. You know, it's, um, I'll use the example, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like how social media and the ways of communicating electronically We'll see, I'll, I'll go somewhere, a uh, restaurant or whatever, where you're waiting for people, and there will be two, not two, um, I guess I don't want to offend any of the young people, but they'll be sitting next to each other texting. You know, um, it's not the same as face-to-face talking, you know, seeing the emotions, hearing the, you know, inflections in someone's voice and understanding what's in their heart. You know, this is what you get when you read his word and with the idea of getting to know him and listening to him. The Lord showed me another thing. Um, I shared a little bit about this when Mike passed away at his um, memorial. Uh, When we were engaged, you know, he showed me Song of Solomon, and it was so descriptive of, um, someone, you know, waiting for their love, wanting to see their love. You know, if, if those of you who are married, do you remember when you first met your spouse? Or when you're first starting to date, how hard it is to be apart, how you can't wait until the next time that you're together. You know, just thinking about the one you love just gets your heart racing. Jesus showed me This is how he wants us to feel for him in that time that we spend with him. He wants us to look forward to that time as his bride, excited and anticipating that time together. Okay. All right. So... A side note on our walk, you know, I I know, um, you know, this happens to all of us. We had said that God's perfect, God's plan is perfect, but we have to do our part. We can get distracted from carrying that plan out. You know, the enemy, we have to recognize that there's an enemy out there that his sole purpose is to separate us from God. There's nothing personal against us. He just wants us to be separated from God. He does not want God to reclaim his children. You know, so he's going to do everything he can. He's going to tell you lies about yourself. He's going to get you to be distracted off of him. He's going to get you to believe that those lies are your own thoughts and make you worried about where you are or who you are or, you know, how people look at you. And sometimes we believe that that's what defines us. We believe sometimes that the circumstances around us are what define us instead of trusting him. These are ways you need to be aware of. They're all schemes of the enemy. But we have to remember, you know, he's lost and he's coming to nothing. We've, we've, he's already been conquered. It's our part to recognize those things and come against them. So what do we do? 
We need to know Jesus' voice, and we need to know our enemy. We need to know that Jesus only loves and encourages. If you hear that voice, it's not your voice. You know, and if, and, and if he's bringing up something from the past that makes you feel bad, just be, have heart that you're feeling bad about something you might have done in the past because in the past you might not have felt that. The fact that you feel bad is Jesus, you know, is showing how Jesus renewed you and he created a new creation. And know that it's the lie of the enemy and know that it can be rejected. You've got to remember that we're children of the Most High God. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. We have the kingdom living in us. We've been restored to that perfect image of love to be made, the light shining on a dark world, spreading his glory. So I just wanted to give you some practical examples um, of how the best way to fight those lies, the best way to, to tear that down is with the truth. So let's just go over a couple of examples. This has been so powerful to me, especially going through, you know, Mike's death. And, you know, I could have easily fallen into, you know, despair and just crawled into my bed and not come out, you know, seriously. But every time Jesus reminded me to thank him and reminded me who I was and reminded me to trust him. So let's look at 1 John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So how do we, how do we turn that into the truth? We speak, if you take just about any one of these scriptures, you can do this. So this is what I do. I would take that scripture and I'd say, I thank you, Father, that because of the work of your cross, I walk in the light as you are in the light. And I have fellowship with you. I thank you that your blood has cleansed me of all sin. I receive that. I believe in you. And I go forward being your light on this earth. That's how we turn his truth into our, our, um, our reality. Another one, James 1, 2 through 5. It says, My brethren, count it all, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who give to all liberally and without reproach. How do we turn that one around? I thank you, Lord, and take joy that these trials are testing my faith to where it grows and produces godly patience. You are always faithful. I thank you that you are creating in me a perfect work through patience, where I trust in you completely and I will not lack a thing. I thank you that you fill me with your godly wisdom, and I so freely walk in it. So you can do that with anything. And the more you do that, you're going to find that the enemy's not so bold to start putting those things in your mind. Because if you turn that around and, and praise God every time he puts one of those lies in your, you know, in your mind, he's going to stop doing that. Because it's strengthening you, it's putting praise on him, and it's giving no attention to the enemy, which you shouldn't do. So, so I've just, um, let's see. Oh, 
this was a, a neat point from Deny Yourself. Um, and this was um, a real truth. Again, I'm going to use the example of, you know, getting through what, you know, this last year brought. And that's in Revelation 10, 12, 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God, day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. This was one of the sweetest things that the Lord gave me through Mike's passing. You know, he, he gave me such clarity and truth that, you know, this, this world, this earth, the things of, that I might have thought were important before are not important. You know, sometimes it, it just takes knowing that there's a loved one that close that's with him to put you there, you know, to realize that's where my life is. That's where my, that's where my heart is. That's where I live out of is, is with Jesus in heaven. So what does this earth matter? What, you know, what goes on in this earth can matter when that is my reality. And so I just love that they did not live their lives unto death. They loved their, not their own lives unto death. So I'm just going to kind of summarize some of this stuff, um, the deny yourself. To deny yourself is to live for him. It's to realize who you were created to be and what you were created to be and why. It's to empty yourself of you and allow yourself to be filled with him. It's to present yourself to him. You know, there's a cool song I listened to um, the other day, and I love these words. It said, the day you deny yourself, you lose yourself, is the day you find him. I thought that was really cool. It does take trust. Trust him with who you are to be and what your plans are. Your life is no longer yours. You don't have any rights. So if you're offended, if you're um, discouraged, if you're frustrated... There's something in your heart that you need to get out because you don't have any rights anymore. You're, you're his disciple. You're his. You believe him, and you trust him with your life. And I pray that my faith will grow to match his faithfulness. He showed me this a couple of weeks ago. I just love that. You know, I want to I wanna be all in. I want to grow and, and, and just, you know, be 100% for him. And that was a pretty neat, you know, target to go after because we know his faithfulness is incredible and our faith can match that. Taking up your cross, it's remembering who you were created to be and who he equipped you to be. It's to remember to check the motive of your heart in all things. It's to take, um, like I said, that litmus test. You know, are you offended? You know, are you jealous? You know, that shows you there's signs of self that are remaining and you can... Um, talk to the Lord about that. You can clean up your heart by looking for Jesus' view of things. You know, the love for the other person. Uh, does your heart break for them who hurt you? They're the ones that are lost. You know who you are in the Lord. Why should it bother you what somebody says or does to you? You know who you are. If somebody says or does something to you that hurts you, they're missing 
they're missing the fullness of God. You know, they're missing him. Our hearts should break for them. And I heard this. I, I just love this. Taking up your cross means don't let sin against you create sin in you. Do not let sin against you create sin in you. So when those things happen, what did Jesus do? He turned it around with love. When he was on the cross and they were mocking him and they had scourged him, they were teasing him, they were, you know, yelling at him and screaming at him and he's dying for them and took all of that and is on the cross. He asked the Lord to forgive them because they didn't know who they were and what they were doing. Be joyful when others are blessed. Be understanding and pray for those who struggle. Be that person that God can trust to reveal things to about others so that you can be him to them. Some people are going through some tough things, and I want to be that person who God can share those tough things with me so that I can touch them and mark them for God. I can treat them and love on them as he would and have no judgment but just his love. And that's what he expects us to be, and that's what's going to mark them for him. To be him in the world and let him trust us to be that is what I was saying. Yeah. So in all situations, be him, shine for him. He abides in you to pull you through. You'll shine brighter in him through all those tough times. Uh, I like to listen to Dan Moeller when I'm driving in the car or getting ready in the morning, and I love a verse that he says. He, uh, the Holy Spirit showed him this one time. He woke up, and he's just thanking the Lord for the day, and the Holy Spirit said, you know, um, if you squeezed an orange, what if you got apple juice out? Wouldn't that be weird? And he said, yeah. And he said, and he said, if you squeeze an orange, you expect an orange. If you squeeze a Christian, you should expect Christ. I love that. All right, following him. Being his disciple. Follow the firstborn. Seek, which means seek him, and seek those to serve. Don't be shy. I tend to be shy, but God's making me bold, and I love it. You know, it's the bolder I get, the bolder I get, and it's awesome. He wants us to heal the sick, make the lame to walk, the blind to see, pray for those who are hurting. We weren't created for the purpose to be blessed. His promises aren't for the purpose for us to be blessed. They were for us to be a blessing for his purpose. Yeah, he didn't die on the cross, so our lives will go better. So, again, we're sons. We need to follow the example of the firstborn. In Ephesians 5.1, I like this. It reminds us who we are and whose family we're in. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. That's the family we're, we were created into. We're not the family of the enemy who seeks our own blessings first or things for ourselves. We're in God's family, and we need to look like him. We need to act like sons and daughters of God. 
So again, I'll ask you to remember promises for his purpose. I just love that he gave me that. It's kind of got a nice ring to it even. That uh, we've been so conditioned, you know, even in the years growing up in church, we've been so conditioned to claim it and claim all these blessings and prosperity to make our lives better, you know, to make it go more smoothly. But that's not why we're here, and that's not why you made those promises. I just challenge you to read them again with his purpose in mind, and it's going to blow your mind. It's amazing. It just, you feel so empowered to, to just be him. You know, and it's, you think about it, you know, we're his light. And if we are to shine his light, what good are we if we're shining light into light? It doesn't have any effect. We're only effective if we're shining into darkness. So don't, don't stray away from those things. You know, he gave us everything to go out into the darkness and challenge it and to overcome it. We are children of the light, restoring that which was lost. So a practical part of this is that if you're at work and you've got difficult people that, you're, that you work with, you know, or you're in a situation with, um, you know, if you're a kid on a team or, you know, parent groups or anything like that, we always run into difficult people. Don't try to get a better job, you know, or a more Christian atmosphere. You shine. You shine where you are because they need you. And trust them in that. He's going to give you everything you need to do that. To seek his will, his guidance. Thank him for all those things. Look at those promises um, as a means to shine and spread his glory. Because when the motive of your heart is to love, and to please him, and you trust him, it's amazing how faithful he is. It's just amazing how faithful he is. You see his light, blessing a dark world, and you're filled with his peace and hope in all circumstances. You find out what a tender, loving father he really is. And when you walk like this, you know, he may even position you to be blessed. You weren't looking for it because you're seeking him. You're just going all out after him. He might position you to be blessed beyond your wildest imagination because he is a most loving and tender father, and he is an extravagant father. You know, his love is extravagant. And, you know, he often understands the desires of your heart more than you do. And when he blesses you, it's more than you could ever imagine or hope for. It's just incredible. You know, you hear people talk about, you know, waiting for a breakthrough or a move of the spirit, a revival. You know, as though it's a, you know, mysterious centennial occurrence or, you know, a rare flow of the spirit that we can help and pray for. It's not. It's, it's just through God's children, sim- simply being God's children. You're the revival right now. It's in you. Just be that revival. When you flow in who he created you to be, and he restores you to look like the firstborn, it's, it's there. I mean, we're seeing it in this church, you know. Every week it's, it's more incredible. We're seeing that.
And I don't know if any of you remember, um, we had a couple weeks ago, it was really incredible, the, the message, the um, praise and worship, several words were all about the river. And I don't know if you remember, the Lord had showed me and some of what I shared that a river only flows one way. And, you know, he had shown me to, to share with you that when your heart is full of his love, overflowing with his love, love's going to flow out. If there's self, there's going to be, the river's going to change direction and it's going to go in. Well, he, this was really cool. He showed me yesterday that it not only flows one way, but a river will always flow from the highest point to the lowest point. Where do you want to be? So I just want to um, finish with, um, there was a scripture I shared, all the things I told you about, you know, going through trials and going through, you know, living as his light you know, living um, as a revival, you know, the motives of your heart. You know, he had shared this um, verse with me, and it's Second Corinthians 6, 3 through 10. It's a long one, but let's read it kind of slow and, and methodical. Try to listen to what each thing is saying, because that's who we are. If we walk in this as his disciples, it's really powerful. And it says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Doesn't that kind of sum up his life that he's created for us? So, I just want to encourage you to work as children of the light, restoring that was which was lost for him. And remember that we were created for that purpose. And we need to speak truth into that and walk in that. There are a lot of people out there, you know, I love the way Steve said it last week, there's a lot of Isaacs out there, the example that he gave, that are lost. If you look, if you ride a bus, if you go to a mall, if you go to a store, look around you it's quite possible the majority of the people that you come across don't know them. They're lost. That's, that's unheard of that we, need, that we would allow that when the plan he created and he accomplished is perfect. He's just waiting for us to do our part. We need to consider that 
We need to remember those who are lost. They don't have hope. They don't know their worth in him. They don't know him. You know, he paid too high of a price to lose any of them when the price he paid should win all of them. So we need to step up and act as sons and daughters, and we need to change this. We need to help him restore his children to him. And he sent his son as the best example we could possibly have. He showed us everything, exactly how to do it. He's our loving brother that showed us how to do it. So I just encourage you all to do that. Thank you.